Hi there, my name is Pete, this is Social Distancer, and this is a special, tiny little episode of the podcast, a little special episode, because I'm feeling rubbish, terrible, I've, yeah, I'm going to have to go to the doctor, I don't feel that bad really, but I do have a continuous cough, it's been there for weeks, oh, hold on, continuous cough, been there for weeks it has, and I don't have COVID though, because I've got my two jabs, and I do tests, because of where I work, so I know I don't have COVID. But it's a very irritating cough I've got, and um, you know, a cold as well. It's really just because I'm out in the world again. But I probably have got some kind of chest infection, and I've been delaying going to the doctor. Uh, but really, now it's got to the point where I have. So that's interesting, isn't it? Yes, very good use of 53 seconds. So um, I. Um, What's the opposite of elongated? Shortened. Shortened version of the podcast uh, this week. Not because there's not interesting things happening. There's massive amounts of interesting things happening. But basically, I don't have the energy to, to, to talk about any of them. Except in a very short way. Right, so let's get to the point. Number one, Boris Johnson. What's the upshot of all of these things? Well, it looks like he's done something, you know, I don't know if it's illegal. Possibly illegal. It's good that... The Electoral Commission have actually got some teeth in terms of um, imposing, you know, sanctions on people that break the law and break the rules, which is really good. The um, Conservative Party have been told, uh, you know, don't get rid of any evidence. And if you do get rid of evidence, then that is a criminal, you know, breach of the law, as Ted Hastings would say, line of duty, line of duty. And, um, you know, so that's, we'll have to see, I mean, obviously, you know, actually nothing has happened in terms of movement on any of these investigations. The only investigation with teeth is the Electoral Commission one, but that is, you know, possibly quite uh, jeopardous for Sausage Johnson. So we'll have to see what happens. Fingers crossed, you know, he gets done for it. It looks like, basically, it looks like, um, some old Tory fuckwit Lord, what's his name? Brownlow, I think. Lord Brownlow gave him some money, and um, it looks also like. Have you heard the rumor that he gave him some money? Have you heard the rumor that um, the, uh, the, the 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 overall cost of this refurbishment was two hundred grand? Thirty grand is from the public. Okay, fine. 30 grand, you'd think 30 grand would be enough, you know, but not for these people because they want their gold wallpaper. So, okay, fine, it's going to cost a pretty penny to put gold wallpaper up. Jesus Christ. And um, so, how are we going to pay for it? Well, we don't have the money ourselves. He says that he needs 300 grand to, um, you know, per year to kind of keep his head above water. Okay, fair enough. A bit of a lavish lifestyle you got there. So get your mates to do it, but you can't get your mates to pay for the, to pay the builders or the interior decorators because you're the prime minister and you have to kind of abide by, you know, basic rules in terms of, hold on a minute, if I've paid your um, decoration costs, what are you going to do for me, pal? But of course, my little crony, my little crony, we know that cronyism and corruption, you know, let's not beat about the bush here, is rife and has been rife for years and you know we'll see whether he survives this it, maybe he will he's been very good at surviving it so far i mean like i said last week was it he's like thriving at you know uh, making the most of the opportunities that uh, 
come his way, failing upwards, as they say on Line of Duty. I don't think that's a spoiler. Maybe it is, but probably not, no. But, um, yeah, Line of Duty, by the way, you know, Jed Mercurio, he's been very, the writer and the, uh, you know, creator of that show, he's always been very good at kind of mirroring real life into this kind of story. So, for instance, in, was it season... Um, three, the paedophile ring, that was obviously connected to all of the stuff that was in the news in Britain at the time with old Jimmy Savile and he had, you know, the people, the characters in um, the show posing with Jimmy Savile they kind of photoshopped photos of the characters with Jimmy Savile you know, so it's quite on the nose in terms of that and of course, you know, not talking about spoilers, but just the general sense of corruption everywhere is, uh, you know, you couldn't get a more topical thing for Britain because Britain is, you know, utterly corrupt at the moment. Sorry, what I should say is that the government is utterly corrupt at the moment. And talking about um, the media, Nomadland's very good. Brilliant, actually, really good. Quite difficult to watch in some respects, but very, very good. So check that out if you like. It's on uh, Disney+. Plus, um, But it's quite, you know, it's not an easy watch at all. Um, but beautiful, though. Really, really interesting. And a lot of the guys in it are actual nomads, you know. It's like kind of um, a fictionalised documentary in a way. Or, well, not a fictionalised documentary. It is a documentary with actors. That's better put. And, um, you know, there's a bit of a plot, as it were, but it's not really plot. It's just kind of conversations, really. It's very, very good. Brilliant filmmaking. Absolutely brilliant. And Chloe Zhao definitely deserves the Oscar and, you know, all the kind of praise that she's getting for it because it's a real work of art. You know, there's no getting away from it. You know, I know you want to. But anyway, this is a short version. So here we go. Let's go. Let's go! Have you ever seen the sunshine? No, not pork. Sunshine. I didn't say pork. I know you've seen pork. Is that sunshine? So the situation in the United Kingdom vis-a-vis COVID-19 is looking incredible still. Like, you know, 65% of people have had one vaccine. Uh, 30% have had two vaccines. And the chances of dying if you've had two vaccines is less than one in a million. Chances of getting COVID is less than one in 150,000. So, you know, that's pretty good odds. That's after two vaccines. And, of course, you've got to wait uh, two weeks after the get the second jab for you to be totally boosted up. But, you know, we know that it lasts at least, um, you know, eight months. We know that. And um, Dr. John Campbell was saying that he expects it to last a couple of years, you know. And they're going to roll it out for children, probably, um, come September, which is fantastic. Um, children aged 12 and above, I think, um, which is, you know, really, really good. Uh, masks in schools, I think, might be um, abandoned in May, uh, May or May the 17th, which I don't agree with. You know, I like the idea that the um, masks are um, 
on the children in uh, secondary schools and I think that that is keeping cases down. Well, obviously it will be keeping cases down, won't it? But the thing is, because of the relationship between cases and the R number and um, vaccinations, you know, all of that means that the more number of people that you have vaccinated, the cases and the R number matter less, you know? Because even if you get it, if you've been vaccinated, the uh, chances of having a severe reaction are massively, massively, massively reduced. You know, the chances of going into hospital are massively, massively, massively reduced. Do you get the gist? But of course, we know that things are going swimmingly in uh, Britain. And on that, by the way, it is really important that we, you know, kind of don't get worried. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like... You know, I went to the shops just now to get some eggs um, and I wasn't worried about it. Oh, obviously I wore a mask and I social distance as best you can in a little shop. But, you know, walking past somebody wearing a mask while you're wearing a mask, while you've been vaccinated twice, like, you are n- that is not a threat. Do you know what I mean? So, you know, you've got to kind of recalibrate yourself and it isn't... Uh, necessarily a simple thing to do because we've like you know i've spoken in the past about the existential crisis of thinking that if i got this i would die i mean it's not based on nothing that you know but at the same time coming out of that you do need to come out of it you know you do need to come out of it don't you yeah So the dude now, Biden, has um, celebrated 100 days in office and he did a little speech uh, to, uh, you know, mark the occasion to um, both houses sitting in Congress. It was the first time they met uh, in Biden's presidency, uh, which kind of mirrors the annual State of the Union, you know. Um, And he's trying to go for a four trillion... um, uh, education and I think f- kind of a health package which he may or may not get through but um, incredible progress for the last 100 days 200 million plus vaccines given out and the great big 1.9 trillion uh, rescue plan um, joining the Paris climate um, agreement rejoining Um, getting the troops out of Afghanistan by September the 11th this year and a whole other bunch of things. Um, So that's good, and here he is. I stand here tonight one day shy of the 100th day of my administration. 100 days since I took the oath of office and lifted my hand off our family Bible and inherited a nation we all did that was in crisis the worst pandemic in a century, the worst economic crisis since the Great Depression, the worst attack on our democracy since the Civil War. Now, after just 100 days, I can report to the nation, America is on the move again. And of course, there's a danger that Joe Machin will um Uh, Manchin, that's his name, will, um, you know, kind of put the old Godiva (laughs) on um, 
proceedings. Yeah, that makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah. But, you know, it's it's really good that Biden is as ambitious as he is. Um, you know, it's a nice surprise and we'll see what happens. And a huge contrast with Sausage Johnson in this country. I mean, a huge contrast. It's going to be interesting to see what happens in Thursday. We've got local elections and the mayoral, a couple of mayoral elections. Sadiq Khan is, you know, definitely going to continue as the mayor of London. But there's a couple of other, you know, places that are, it's going to be interesting to see whether people are, you know, seriously looking at Labour again um, with Starmer in charge or not. It's very easy to kind of, you know, say, well, it's too early and we've got a mountain to climb if things don't go well. And I don't think people in Labour are expecting um, Thursday's um, results to go particularly well. But, uh, you know, you never know. But a big, big contrast. So, you know, all power to Biden. And I would, you know, I will at some point when I'm feeling better actually go in detail about, you know, the change that's happened at this incredible change that's happened in the United States in the last couple of months because of Biden and the difference between Biden and Trump, you know. But today is not the day for that. In India, things are going from worse to worse. A couple of days ago, on Saturday, the 1st of May, The Lancet published an article online. The Lancet is a leading health uh, journal. And um, here's some extracts from that uh, article. Fully opening society with unrestrained crowding, mass gatherings, large-scale travel and lack of personal protective measures, such as masks, permitted the virus to move freely said the director of the public health in India, whose name is Reddy, Mr. Reddy. Large-scale gatherings should have been avoided, he said. This action could have not only protected participants in these mass gatherings, but also prevented others from getting the wrong signal that the danger had fully passed. And that Lancet article starts with this uh, rumour, essentially, that the, that uh, they had achieved um, herd immunity. It says, in early 2021, an opinion that India had overcome the pandemic and acquired herd immunity gained ground among policymakers, sections of the media, and the public. Uh, this is the president of the um, of the Public Health Foundation of India, whose name is Srinath Reddy. He says, even sections of the scientific community propagated this view. Uh, The belief that there would be no second wave was also spurred on by the desire to reopen society and revive economic growth. And, uh, you know, it's just an appalling situation. We have oxygen running out. We have the tiny little bit of amount of oxygen that is available is being you know rushed to people's homes um, people are leaving hospitals because it's worse to be in the hospital than uh, to be out of the hospital than it is to be in the hospital and it's you know partly because of this 
ridiculous message that went out and amplified over and over again that India had somehow achieved herd immunity, they weren't going to get a second wave, and of course there was lots of mass gatherings around uh, political campaigning because of uh, state elections in India. And you think, like, you know, we went out for a walk today and we went to this kind of local, you know, kind of beauty spot, as they call them, and some arsehole had put a fucking newspaper, a kind of, you know, like, newspaper that they made themselves uh, under the, um, the what, what do they call it? The thing that wipes the cleaners, the windscreen wipers, of every car in the car park um, saying, you know, what do they call themselves? I can't remember, but, you know, freedom from COVID restrictions, basically, was their message. Freedom from COVID restrictions. And you think, you know, this is the week where we found out that there's no doubt about it. Of course, that Boris Johnson said the thing about let the bodies pile high, you know. But thank God he lost that argument. Thank God he lost the argument. We don't know how many hundreds of people died because he was slow in going into the second lockdown in November when he should have done it in September. You know, hundreds of people died and that is on him. Hundreds of people died. But thank God there's a couple of people in cabinets or whoever they are, probably Chris Whitty and Valance and a few other people, Jonathan Van Tam probably as well, and a few other people who are saying, no, 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 we need to take this seriously. And this is what happens when, you know, politicians don't take it seriously. India is what happens. So I promised you a short E and I'm giving you a shorty. Uh, a couple of things to say. First of all, welcome to a new listener in Iran. Welcome. And Reunion, which is a little place uh, near um, Mauritius, beautiful, uh, off the off of Madagascar, you know, off of Madagascar. Um, so, you know, welcome along. <laughs> Today is not a representative example of the podcast. Uh, so if you're feeling a bit depleted by this uh, short episode, what I would expect is that you just go through the list of you know, over 220 now uh, episodes. So pick your favourite, maybe the Christmas special, maybe episode 100, maybe episode 200, maybe one of Noel's ones. You know, you've got fucking loads to choose from. Um, Anyway, I'll see you next week. And here's the outro to confirm that. And of course, we've got um, Paranormal Blip coming up later in a second. So, um, but this is kind of like a post-goodbye-goodbye. No, no, not a post-goodbye-goodbye. A pre-goodbye-goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye. (laughs) Episode 221. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend if it is weekend, but you're going to have to wait for the next weekend for that one. Now, Hattie Mancock has just said that we have distributed 50 million vaccines into the arms of people in the UK, which is amazing. And we're going to now think of the Mangalica pig, also pronounced Mangalitsa pig, which is the furry pig, looks like a sheep pig. Yeah, beautiful. Think of that, bastard. One, two, three. Walk between the raindrops. Thanks for listening. Have a great old archive archive in the week ahead. And uh, what's the other thing? Oh, yeah, we'll wear a mask. 
you know, wash your hands, do all those things, social distance, really do do all those things, do do all those things, and take care wherever you are in the world. Thanks a lot, see you later! That music can only mean that this is now Paranormal Blip and we have got a real special um, extract from an interview that Lou Elizondo gave a couple of days ago to a journalist called Stephen Greenstreet who works at the New York Post and this is really fascinating stuff okay I know that you only listen to this if you've got a bit of a bloody open mind about these things you know that's why I put it on the, uh, after the outro um, but this when I heard this and, and he's said this a couple of days before in another interview and then he kind of returns to it again um, in this interview and it, the first time I heard it it blew my bloody socks off it really did <laughs> this thing about the scale of um, humans in relation to the largeness of the universe but also the massiveness of the small world um, in all of us <laughs> that was well said wasn't it yeah um, he says it a bit better than that, and it really blew my mind. And it you know, makes you realize that our um, five senses, and even if you add you know, the other couple of senses that people talk about, you know, well, you've got another sense because some people can feel the kidneys or whatever. Even if you add the, the, all the old Rupert Sheldrake idea of you know, a sense of being stared at, and those other kind of you know, um if you like, uh, esoteric senses that uh, people sometimes talk about. You know, basically, we are very, very limited in terms of perceiving uh, all of the possibles out there. But anyway, Lou says it much better than me. Lou Alexander, by the way, is the person that ran ATIP for the Pentagon. ATIP was Advanced Aerospace Threat um, Investigation Program, I think that's what it stands for, something like that. Um, and he walked away in uh, 2017, I think it was, 
basically realising that none of his reports were getting to the Secretary of Defence, a guy called Jim Mattis. This is obviously under um, Trump, you know. Um, so one of Trump's Secretary of Defence's dudes. And so he walked away from that and he's gone public and he's got a lot moving the last three years. And this is all leading up to a report that's coming out in June, hopefully, um, which should be, well, it will be released publicly to a certain extent. Um, So it's all leading up to this. Anyway, I'm going to say goodnight as well. So usually kind of jump back in after the little bit of interview. But um, uh, check this out if you um, like the look of this, uh, you know, just YouTube the whole video. Lou Elizondo, L-U-E, Elizondo is uh, E-L-I-Z-O-N-D-A, I think. Oh, sorry, O-N-D-O, I think. Um, uh, Listen, if you're into it, I'm sure it's take you a few seconds to find his bloody name. He's everywhere. Um, So anyway, I'm going to say goodnight because I don't feel very good. So have a great, great uh, week and enjoy this. Take care. We are a very, our species, uh, and some scientists have now have attributed this to what they call the cardiosocial phenomenon, meaning the first nine months of our entire life is spent in our mother's womb for the most part, and, and we hear our mother's heartbeat. And that is a binary on-off rhythm. And because of that, it affects the way we view the world, the way we view nature, the way we interact with each other, to the point where we look at everything in, in terms of extremes. So it's an either-or solution. So what do I mean by that? Well, if you ever talk to anybody on the street, they'll tell you uh, in terms of it's either up or down, left or right, hot or cold, black or white, you know, good or bad. We always look in terms of either or scenarios. And so when you talk about this topic, the phenomenon, people say, well, it's either from earth or it's from outer space. It's extraterrestrial. But in reality, that's not necessarily so. There's a whole bunch of other potentials and options that this could be and we're just used to thinking that way but nature like what? nature usually well let, let's look at physics for example let's look at the reality right now i'm having a conversation with you and i'm i, I perceive my entire universe based upon the five fundamental if you will senses that i have touch taste hearing smelling right whatnot and that's it that's how i judge the entire universe and yet there's this entire reality around me that I can't perceive. I have Wi-Fi signals coursing through my body. I have cosmic radiation coming in from outer space. I have cellular signals bombarding my body and GPS and all these realities going around me. Even in the visible light spectrum, okay, I, I can only see within a narrow band. Anything in the infrared or ultraviolet or beyond that, I can't perceive. I need, I need technology to, to interface with that. So, so by definition, most of the universe I can't even perceive. And then when you look at the you know, look at the human being in the context of scale, if you look at the very, very small to the very, very large of our universe, right? The human being sits right roughly in the very middle. So the universe is about 27 billion light years from side to side that we can see in the visible universe. And to scale as big as that is, when you look at the subatomic particles in the atoms that make up our body, they're roughly the same scale, meaning they're at one times 10 to the minus 26 in size. Uh, so, so you have this equally large universe inside every human being. And so my point being is that 
the majority of the universe that we interact with, we will never be able to see. Look at the night sky and look at the pretty stars. And now look through it through a radio telescope. You're going to see nebula. You're going to see things that are right in front of your eyes, but you can't see them. So is it possible that there is more to, to reality and to life than just the very narrow band in which we perceive it and in which we live in scale? Is it possible? Well, I would submit to you that most of Mother Nature, every time we try to define who she is, she defies our explanation. She doesn't fit in a neat little box. So there are things, you've established that in broad terms, there are things in front of our eyes we can't see. Uh, on a more mi micro scale, would that also apply to UAP? Sure, why not? I guess my point is that we, we have to keep all options on the table until they're not. This is something we have been dealing with for, for a long time. And, and like a lot of things, imagine the first person who decided to get on a boat and sail over the horizon, right? And there's discussion of sea monsters and krakens that will devour you and destroy your boat. And yet we did it anyways. We did sail and, and, and we, we explored the world. And it turns out, you know, 500 years later, yeah, there really are sea monsters, except for, except for we call them the great squid of the Pacific and we call them great white sharks and whales. Uh, now they're just part of nature. They have a scientific name. But, you know, those sea monsters still exist. They're there. Um, we just learn to understand them. And maybe this is the same thing. Maybe this is just yet another, uh, uh, another expedition over the horizon in which we're going to realize what we, we thought were, were, were monsters or really just neighbors.